Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me as we continue down the free agent marketplace. Uh, Justin, you know, we we talked on, what was it, Wednesday night, uh, about five days ago. And since then, uh, I mean, almost everybody is signed. You know, we've got Johnny Gaudreau signed. Uh, Nazem Kadri still waiting. Uh, but other than really other than Kadri, as far as the real big name UFAs that are going to just walk onto a team and be a huge difference maker, uh, that's really the last one left. I suppose you could say Paul Stastny. Oh, John Klingberg, of course, and then uh, maybe a Phil Kessel, depending on what he does. But uh, not not a ton left, uh, but some interesting ones nonetheless because some of these guys aren't going to get as much money as maybe they had hoped. But uh, lots to talk about. Justin, since we last talked, what what's the thing that surprised you the most? Is there any one Sur- thing? Surprised me? I think really um, I'll – I mean, I'll, I'll give you two things, right? So um, I'm surprised that the Montreal Canadiens were able to move Jeff Petrie's contract uh, without retaining a bunch of salary. I mean, and, and getting a good player in return. Absolutely. And I am surprised that we have – I have literally heard nothing about Johnny – or about Nazem Kadri. Not a, not a, an inkling of, oh, you know, he's talking to this team or he's having discussions with this team. It's literally no news. It's been dry AF. And so, um, yeah, that kind of just that leaves me irritated because I need to know. I need to know things. Yeah, it sounds like in terms of Kadri, this is my guess. My guess is that right now, I, from I think Elliot Friedman said that Colorado was in on him still. So Colorado's trying to keep Kadri. And I think that they've probably told this that now. Now after that, hey, Colorado's in on Kadri. After that, this is all my own assumption, not not anyone else's. My assumption here is that they've told him we want to keep you. We we are going to give you a raise, and we're going to figure out how. But you need to give us time because we we need to figure this out. They, I mean, obviously McKinnon's a UFA, and I'm wondering if there's some kind of like, hey, we're, we're going to move one guy, we're going to announce the McKinnon signing, and we're going to announce uh, you kind of in the same breath kind of deal. Um, they do have, you know, they've got JT Confers a UFA uh, at the end of this year. You also have Eric Johnson, who's a UFA at the end of the year, and I'm, I know he has... No trade clause. I mean, he can list 19 teams. That's that's not that restricting for the Avalanche. I wonder if if Eric Johnson is going to be the guy that's got to get moved. And as soon as they can move Eric Johnson, then they sign Nazem Kadri for the same money there, which which makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so I actually thought the same thing about Philadelphia as well, too. Right? That's what I've been pondering because. You know, again, going back pre-free agency, you know, when we were doing these predictions and I'm thinking about teams where I think Kadri would be a good fit, right? One of those teams that I thought might be a good place or landing spot for uh, Nazem Kadri would be the Philadelphia Flyers, right? I think that Naturally, yeah. uh, he fits John Tortorella's kind of style, a little gritty. He's got some skill there, but, you know, and it was the same thing with Johnny Goudreau, right? They wanted to bring him in as well. And so they really, they couldn't sign or bring in well, either of these big name. They didn't, want, so they they didn't want to bring him in. He wanted to well, go I, there. That's what came out is that he sure, wanted sure. to go there, and they they said no, no. We, I and I think that they said, I mean, it's not worth trying to move three players to bring you in. 
Sure, absolutely. But here, but it, again, this is all pre-free agency, right? So, sure. you know, when when it didn't come out that you know, again, Goudreau had signed right away, or you know, Kadri had signed right away somewhere, I thought, okay, well, Philly's trying to to move a contract, right? Move a JVR's contract, or you know, um, I got to know, imagine Travis- if they could have moved all of JVR's contract, that they would have already have signed, like they would have signed Goudreau. That would have been my guess. Yeah, probably. I mean, so here's, the, I mean, again, I, I again, all here say, but I imagine that, um, you know, if a team's going to take JVR's contract, they probably want a first round pick in return. And I know Philly's just not going to give that up right now. So not in 2023, um, they're not right. Absolutely. That's the thing. They're going to be bottom feeders and, you know, Colorado again, um, you know, I, I could honestly see that as well too. Right. I mean, you know, Eric Johnson would be the, the perfect candidate, especially with this team or maybe even a Samuel Gerard, right. I think he, uh, is a team that, you know, 30 other teams are probably going to be like, Hey, you know what? A young puck moving defenseman signed at 5 million bucks for the next five well, years. That's that's uh, why Colorado is going to keep them. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that might be why they keep them. But again, it's just a bevy of riches, right? They've got Josh Manson. They've got Devin Taves, Kale McCarr, right? Bowen Byram is going to need a new contract next year. So yep. they don't really need Samuel Gerrard because they've got four top quality defensemen on top of him. So, um, you know, again, if you had to choose between Gerrard and, and Bowen Byram, I would take Byram given his recent success in the playoffs. But um, I, I think, know, again, though, you're looking at it and, and is Eric Johnson not like, I mean, it's the exact same situation as Ryan McDonough for for the Lightning, minus the fact that, yeah, McDonough is still a an effective, a very good defenseman who can play in any, almost anyone's top four, uh, whereas Eric Johnson is, he could play in your top four, uh, but you're more likely you're wanting him to be in your bottom six and be a guy who can slide up if needed. Uh, helps yeah, that he's a and, right-handed defenseman, of course. You know, and they, that's the difference, right? Because uh, McDonough can still play. He can still contribute in a top two, top four role. Where Eric Johnson, not so much. Um, I guess same so situation, right? Like both oh, yeah, guys yeah, have yeah. been with the team for a long time. They've they've been it through the ups and the downs, and they're they're a part of the leadership group. And you're looking at the rest of of what kind of needs to happen. And you go, I mean, if there's one guy who might need to be the casualty because of our success, it might be him. And the difference here also is Eric Johnson's a UFA at the end of the year, uh, whereas. McDonough obviously had three years remaining on his deal. Uh, that that complicated a lot of things for re-signing Sergeyev and, and Chernek and all, all the the three big players they re-signed there uh, to eight-year deals. So uh, I would think though Colorado has to be looking to move Eric Johnson. If not, then Nazem Kadri signing there I think is a pipe dream. There's no one there's no one else you're going to move. You just re-signed Nichushkin. Uh, you you re-sign Cogliano, Darren Helm, you, you you re-sign Josh Manson. So at that point, you just say, well, there's no way you're going to bring in Nazem Kadri as well. So what other locations is Nazem Kadri going to? And that's again kind of goes back to the the loop we just went around. I don't know where Kadri's going to ultimately end up, <laughs> but I think he's waiting to see what what certain teams might be able to do to open up the cap space necessary to sign him. Yeah, and the problem is, is right, the teams that I'm sure he's still, again, he's got a cup, but I'm sure he still wants to compete for a cup because once you get a taste, right, you want it. You want it again. So I'm sure he wants to go somewhere where he still has a chance to win. But ultimately, I mean, there's not a lot of money and there's only so much to go around. So, um, you know, he might have to 
take a little less money. Do you, uh, if you're cadre and, and assuming that, uh, an offer may be able to be worked out, do you not look at the Detroit Red Wings as a really nice landing spot where, yeah, you, you're not, Nazem Kadri was never getting $8 million. That's just not going to happen. He's too, he's too, he's much older. Now, maybe, yeah, maybe if he went and he signed uh, with a really bad team who is not on the up, uh, just to kind of, I, I don't know. I don't think he's getting $8 million. Bucks. I, I think that people are smart enough to go, well, 87 points. This was a crazy year for him. He's a he's a fifty to sixty point guy. We're gonna pay him around six million. But that that seems to be a reasonable cap hit for Kadri, who's definitely a complimentary player. He's not your first line center. You're not gonna pay him that way. The Red Wing, he'd be a great fit with Detroit, especially when you consider that Bertuzzi's probably not coming back after this year. Pius Suter, he's a UFA at the end of the year as well. You did bring in Andrew Kopp. You have Dylan Larkin, but to have those three guys as they're like they're both all centers, but Kopp and Kadri can both play the wing, so you can kind of work things around there. They can take faceoffs on on their strong side. Uh, there's a lot of options that come with that, and I think that he'd fit in really well with what Detroit's doing, having already won and going. You know, I could go somewhere where they haven't won. And where they're not great, and maybe we could be in a position to win in three years. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's, for the that's money. definitely a realistic possibility, <laughs> but I just don't think Detroit obviously is going to be, uh, you know, at this point. I don't really think they're looking to add anybody to the forward group. They already have too many forwards. Really, they're going to have to make a couple waiver decisions on a few guys. We like got to think. Avanti Smith, Adam yeah, Ernie, but yeah. I, sorry, I was going to say you got to yeah. think that Calgary might be interested in Kadri at this point. Yes, that is another team, right, that I would pinpoint because they're going to lose a lot of offense with Johnny Goudreau gone, and they're going to need to replenish it, right? So, um, you know, again, they have the, you know, obviously what we had, you know, Backlund and Elias Lindholm playing center for this team in a one-two punch. But, you know, again, you could move one of these guys to the wing to fill in on Goudreau's spot. I mean, Elias Lindholm can certainly shift to the wing. You can bring in Kadri and let him be your top-line center uh, at least for another, you know, three, four years, but I think the biggest, biggest concern and maybe what's holding most of this up is the fact that he probably wants seven years. And I don't think at 31 years old, anybody wants to give him that right now. And so that might be the ultimate holding point, right? Yeah. I think you're looking at a five-year deal for Kadri would be my, my assumption. At most. Five years is probably what's going to get the AAV down a little bit to where a good team could sign him now. And then you worry about it later. Well, it'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, five happens. times seven. And the nice thing is, is with the cap going up in two seasons, you know, again, when you get into the back end of a, a five-year deal, those last two, maybe that, you know, last year, depending on you know how he really ages, it's uh, it won't look as bad, I, I guess. You know, if the cap really goes up the way everybody predicts it will. Absolutely. Um, let's go to uh, Andre Palat, who signed actually after we we talked. So did so did Johnny Goudreau. Uh, Oh, we'll get get your thoughts on both those deals, Goudreau and Palat. Oh, so Palat. I mean, look, I I think he obviously wanted a little bit more money than maybe what Tampa had to offer, and you know, it was clear that they needed to move some money out in order to keep him after giving, um, you know, those three guys those big eight year extensions. And so, you know, Palat, it was it was pretty easy. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I got to go sign somewhere else. And I think New Jersey is a team that was really looking to score a high-profile winger. Uh, they want a guy who has you know a lot of experience because they are a fairly young team. And 
Um, look, they didn't get Goudreau, so obviously the next best thing was Andre Pilat. And uh, to me, I think they got a quality player who is, you know, heart and soul type of guy. He's not necessarily your go out and grind it type of heart and soul player, but he he commands a lot of respect in the locker room. He's got you know a couple cups to go with it. So and um, clutch is go. clutch gets. I mean, the most yes. game winning goals in the playoffs in Tampa Bay Lightning history. He's Justin Williams. I mean, that's yep, that's essentially you what you're getting. There you go. That, and so yep. you get a guy for in a, a team that is so young that's going to get great experienced player to play in your top six, whether that's with Nico Heischer or, or Jack Hughes, and it's just gonna it's gonna be dynamite. I think it's gonna be a good fit at least for the next few years. Hopefully. You know, New Jersey can take that next step now, and uh, you know, really, I mean, again, did, they moved out Pavel Zaka too, so uh, I think Eric Hall is going to fit in quite nice with that team as well. So again, they've got more options on the wing now, and they well, can. Pavel, the great Pavel thing is, Zaka got dealt. No, that's what I mean. They moved Zaka out oh, for Eric Halla, Halla. Okay. and so sorry, now you I, have I, you have a great. I option. missed everything you said there, other yeah, than okay. Pavel Zaka, and I was like, oh, yeah. Sorry. So you have a guy now who you can shift on the wings. He doesn't have to play center like he was trying to fill in on that second-line center spot in Boston. But the great thing is is he can fill in at center if you need him to, which is fantastic and gives them a little bit more depth and, and ability to maneuver lines around um, you know, to find the right chemistry. But overall, I think Palat's going to be a good fit in New Jersey. And then when you go to Goudreau, right, I think – Oh, hold on. Like can, I, can I just add something with Palat? Oh, let's go. Um, here's my theory with Palat. I know – Remember, Tampa Bay was like, We're, we got to move McDonough so we can re-sign Palat. That was like the the narrative that had been put out there, at least that I, what I saw, was, well, we, in order to sign, re-sign Palat, we're, we're definitely going to have to move McDonough. Right. Here's what I, I... I don't think they ever had any intention of signing Palat. I think they moved McDonough because they knew they needed to re-sign other players, and they knew that it would be a lot easier to do it this year when there really wasn't the crunch, they really didn't have to deal McDonough, but they did so that those other, those two years, uh, like their two years remaining after this year would be easier to move. And, and I think that he had more value today than he would in a year when people start going, "Mm, he's getting a little old and maybe he doesn't look quite as good this year. And then it would have been a lot harder to move it next year. I think they moved it to resign the three guys they did. And I think they said they were doing it for Palat. Like, we really want to re-sign Palat. I don't think they ever had any intention of re-signing Palat. I think they did him a favor and made New Jersey believe that they were going to re-sign him uh, and and give him a decent dollar amount. And it made New Jersey pay more for Palat and got him more money. I I like the theory about getting (laughs) him more money, but I completely agree with you in in the the fact that I, I believe Tampa just had, again, no intention on resigning him, knowing the eight-year deals they were going to have to hand out to to Chernak, you know, Sergachev and and Cicerelli. Um, the only way I could, the only way they could have resigned him is had they been willing to to or found up a, a partner for Alex Kalorn. I think that if they had traded Alex Kalorn uh, at the draft, it would have been more feasible. To, to re-sign Pala. I think there was maybe a deal to be made, but because that obviously didn't happen, they went in a different direction. And all, all like I think they replace him with Nemesnikov, who can play up there. They know they love Nick Paul, who I'm expecting that they think Nick Paul could maybe play up in the top six based on like the contract that He's they gave him. To. I think that they're hoping that he will. And then once again at the deadline, they'll just trade their 2025 pick 
<laughs> for uh, for another player who can come in there because it, you don't care. I mean, yeah, the 2023 draft is going to be really good, but at this point, you don't care. You, you're in win now mode, and and you've got nothing to do with that draft. So you're just going to trade your picks and and see if you can get back to the finals again and, and see how much well, here, success you've got. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, when you really look at it, right? So, you know, again, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think they traded uh, McDonough fully knowing that they weren't going to re-sign Palat. Um, but part of that goes into the fact that, yes, I think they like to hold on to that first-round draft pick in 2025 because they, they still think they can compete. They're going to try to make some moves at the deadline. Um, but for me, I think it's more or less if they traded him next year after they had these extensions in place, knowing they don't have the cap space to re-sign Someone anybody or put them. a team. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Someone would have been like, okay, cool, give us the first rounder and we'll yep. take his contract from yep. him. Right? So they basically just offloaded him for future considerations, which is nothing. Um, because, again, when you look at next year, they have roughly close to $4 million in cap space, and they only have four defensemen signed. They have seven forwards signed. So they don't even have a hockey team to put on the ice. So somehow someone else is going to have to get moved potentially, or they're going to have to, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's Steven Stamkos you have to move or. That's never oh, going to happen. I mean, yeah, uh, but honestly, here's the thing. that that is now at this point, the Steven Stamkos being dealt is literally never going to happen. Now he may not, yep. he may not get re-signed to an eight and a half million dollars. Like he's, he oh, is, no, he's the franchise not. player. He like, he has now eclipsed Le Cavalier. He's eclipsed Martin Saint Louis. Like Tampa Bay has had a bevy of riches in terms of superstar players, and Stamkos is the guy. There's no one. Be- there's no one better to sell the game in Florida than than uh, Steven Stamkos. And and he'll he'll have a he'll have a deal there as long as he wants to keep playing hockey. Now it's not going to be for eight and a half million, but I think his next deal will will still be um, for a good chunk. But they're they're absolutely. That will never happen in my mind. Well, unless he yeah, wants so, to leave, unless he wants to leave. But I think he's the yeah, market. Right. He's the Crosby. You know, he's it's that situation. Oh, he is for that franchise. Say, Absolutely. Like, you've got Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. Those three guys are there as long as they want to stay. Yeah, absolutely. But but the thing is, is again, next year when they have to put a hockey team on the ice, literally outside of the guys they have now, they're they're going to have to go out because yes, you can put Brent Seabrook's contract on you know IR and then you can get yourself an additional seven mil. So maybe you have close to $10 million, but you're going to have to go out and sign guys for one, one and a half million sure. bucks. You're going to have to, to pull uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. I yeah. mean, let's, so that's going to be the, uh, if the you go and you, forward. you look at the Leafs in 2023, 24, they have currently six forwards signed for that year. One right. of which is Kyle Clifford. So he's not going to play. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they do have five defensemen signed um, for that year, but, I mean, they have no forwards, and that's just like they're. You know, you look at to Michael Bunting's going to be a UFA after this next year. If Michael Bunting goes and does exactly what he did uh, this year, if not even better, you know, and he he plays with Matthews and Marner, and he goes and puts up seventy points again, it's going to be tough not to pay him six million dollars a year. Which I mean, yeah, they'll have. 16 million in cap space they will have some room to maneuver but not that much when you consider matthews is going to be a ufa i mean Tavares won't get re-signed to an 11 million dollar deal when he's done but uh it's going to be it's it there's there's a few teams with some a lot of teams actually with some pretty crazy cap crunches coming up and i think it's it also is where it's hard to tell like how much is the cap going to go up in 
in two years, in three years. You know, that, that'll that make a big difference. That's the nice part for Toronto, right? Because Nylander and Matthews' contracts are over in two years. So when the new, you know, again, when the cap rises significantly, like everybody says, that's when their new extensions will kick in. So hopefully for yeah, them, just enough to pay them exa- to pay them even more, you know, just right, as much exactly. to make Matthews the highest paid player in the NHL when his deal right. comes up, like hundred percent. That's what's going to happen. If he resigns in Toronto, uh, he's signing for, uh, you know, probably 14 million over eight years. Like he's going to sign a monster deal. It's going to be oh, dumb. Sure. <laughs> Not it's, dumb because yeah. there's nothing you can do. You have to sign him. You have to give him. Yeah, you can't m- let him walk. No, <laughs> no. Right. I mean, he yeah. could walk. He could walk if he wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's go, a whole nother podcast. Like we, everybody else. <laughs> yeah, we we won't we won't get into that because that's. I mean, we're uh, definitely going to get into that um, over the next two years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's just not a conversation that I'm quite ready to have yet. No, no, no. But okay. So speaking of going home, though, let's let's talk about Goudreau because um, yes. you know, again, this it, it was well known that he wanted to go back to the East Coast. Um, you know, pretty much screwed Calgary at the eleventh hour. Didn't even give him any like heads up, like, hey, you know what? No, I'm not signing. Uh, I want to go back home. Just straight up. I don't know if maybe he thought or his agent was coaching him, like, hey, you know what? Don't say anything because if for some, you know, for some reason, if you can't find a team that's, you know, willing to go out and sign you or give you the money term or whatever, um, which again is very farsighted or you know such a farce. But um, let's keep Calgary in our back pocket and uh, you know a, keep I'm, them I'm, on the hook. I'll just tell you this. This is always what I. This is what I tell my friends who are making less like not six figures even you know people that are just making normal middle class run-of-the-mill money your employer doesn't give a shit about you and that's the way that i feel too in the nhl the calgary flames don't really like they don't really give shit about johnny goodrow they care about what he can do for them and as soon as he's unable to do that for them they'd have tossed him to the curb anyways if he had had a bad year this last year they like this wouldn't have really been a thing and who knows what they what they want to do with him moving forward and it's it is completely in his right to do it i think that if the tables are turned look at ryan mcdonough he wanted to stay in tampa what do they do they go to him and say thanks so much um we you're gonna get traded to nashville oh you don't want to get traded to nashville well guess what the Columbus Blue Jackets said they'll take you if you uh, if you refuse. So you have the choice. What do you want to do? Like they were ruthless. You know, there's there's a certain level of of being ruthless well, that these business, teams do. Right? So if that's what this this player needed to do to secure their financial future in in where they wanted to go, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, it's. Uh, maybe it could have been... Of course, there's maybe a more honorable way, right? Like, I think with the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe there was a more honorable way to go about uh, getting rid of Ryan McDonough. Maybe saying, hey, we're like we're going to move you and, and uh, giving him more time. I don't know. I, I've, I, I don't know how you do it, but uh, it certainly seemed like... Or maybe you just don't have that conversation and you just go, you know what? The honorable thing to do for the Lightning would have been this guy, this guy got us two Stanley Cups and three Stanley Cup Finals. Like, we just keep him and we'll worry about things later. That might have been more honorable too, but they didn't because they they did what they needed to do for themselves. So I think Goudreau did what he did for himself, and I don't well, have I don't any disagree. issue with it. 
Now, if no, it was Austin Matthews and the Leafs, I'd have a big issue. <laughs> right? Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless, it's a business, right? So they're just going to do what they need to do, what's best for them. But all that being said, right, I mean, I, I know I mentioned I had sent out a tweet that said, hey, you know what, Columbus could possibly be a, a late last-minute player in this deal because it looked like it was going to be down to Philly or New Jersey. At least that's, you know, what, like, Elliot Friedman and, you know, Darren Dreger, all these guys were saying, these insiders here. And Columbus just came out of nowhere. And I mean, really, like when you look at it, he chose Columbus. And I, I was l- watching an interview with him on Sportsnet um, and he was just talking about how he reached out to former players yeah. and, the, you Cam know, Atkinson about, and yeah, all these friends of Zach Wierenski. Yeah, right. And the more and more he talked or the, these these players talked about Columbus, the more and more he just they were glowing about it, which is surprising because I've been to Columbus and yeah, it's nice. It's it's a nice city, but I mean, it's it's no New York, right? I mean, when you're in Jersey, you can go go to New York, hop on a train, or you know, get an Uber and go to New York City. And I mean, it doesn't even compare, right? So, which to again, some people, that's a that's a thing that they want. Like, if it were me, I'd be the same thing as Johnny Goudreau. Like, get me out of these big cities. Let me go be somewhere where I mean, and Columbus is is definitely more of like a like small town feel with a big city kind of vibe, right? Right. Like, Absolutely. And, Lots and, of suburbs and, again, and yeah. Right. All the personal preference of the player, right? And that's what it comes down to. And, you know, maybe like I think you and I talked about, uh, you know, maybe it was just far enough away from his family on the East Coast to be like, okay, they can't drive here for the weekend, but they can still come <laughs> visit all the time, right? Yeah. So, I, and I wonder how much enough. COVID had to, you know, just with like, hey, you live in Calgary, you're not allowed to leave. Like, it had to have played a part, no doubt. You know, oh, you go, when is this going to happen again? Because Canada has been crazy with this stuff. Uh, I don't want to be stuck again without my family. So I don't think I'm going to stay. Like, And the winters in Calgary are brutal. Well, that's true, too. You know, maybe he's just like, you know what? What the F is? I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, I want to, you know, be able to get out of my house in the wintertime. You know? And, and I'll not- say, he had that right. It would have been, it seemed like he had made his mind up a long time ago. And I get that maybe there was an inner turmoil there, you know, where you just like, you can't admit to yourself that that's what you're going to do. And you're scared to make the decision. I understand all that. Uh, but yes, I, I also, I could say it would have been nice for Calgary to know, Hey, Goudreau's going to leave. And I wonder what, right. what would it have, have done at the trade deadline? Had he said, I, I think I want to leave. I, I'm not going to stay, you know, I'll happily play. I'd love to try and win a cup here in Calgary before I leave. But if you need to trade me, that's okay. And yeah, I, he would have got them some really nice picks. Yeah. I mean, something which would have been a great, like, you know, parting gift, right? Saying, yeah. you know what? Hey, yeah. I've enjoyed my time. Here's, here's a little something for you, but it didn't work out that way. Again, it's a business, whatever. Um, well, but now he will the, be booed the, for the next, uh, seven, oh, yeah. seven years. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that first game. Absolutely. Fortunately but, for him, he's only going to go to Calgary once a year. Whereas, right. <laughs> you know, with, with the Leafs and Tavares, they were they were going to New York uh, twice a year. So that's just, you know, double the amount of times you're going. At least you didn't sign in within the division, but. <laughs> right, yeah. But here's now here's the big problem, though, Columbus, right? Obviously, if you're Columbus, Johnny Hockey approaches and says, hey, you know what, I want to sign with you guys. You you obviously can't say no. Well, well the no, Flyers like, did. Well, yeah, the Flyers did, right? But yeah. they've got their own problems. But, um you know, I can't believe uh, they said no. 
unbelievable. Uh, I, I think that's unbelievable. I, I think it's yeah. probably the stupidest, especially after all the like, remember the press conference last, last, like during the winter when they're, uh, the, the, the CEO of Comcast is, Oh, we're going to spend and we're going to do this and that. How are you like, how are you not going out and getting Johnny Goudreau? Like it's the most flyers thing ever. If, if Ed Schneider was alive, Johnny Goudreau would have signed with him. Hundred percent. I've. Hundred percent. You will not convince me otherwise. He would have just said, uh, "Yeah, trade Rasmus Ristolainen. Don't sign yeah. Anthony D'Angelo. I don't care. Let's go over that cap, however much percentage we possibly can. Yeah. Trade James Van yeah. Riemsdyk. Trade away our first round pick and just make it Florida's twenty twenty four. I don't care. Like he would have found a way to 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 do it. And uh, and I think it's crazy because if you look at that Flyers offense, if you trade swap out Van Riemsdyk for Goudreau, they may already be a playoff team with Tortorella in at the helm. But right. without yeah. them, they they are not. They are not a playoff team, and and that's and they're also a team that's right up against the cap. They have zero cap yeah. space. Right, and so here's now the thing, right? So. Yes, they. You know what? I think Columbus is fortunate enough that they got Kent Johnson uh, because I do think he's eventually going to solidify that number one center spot. Cole Sillinger, right? They've got a good center there, Jack Roslovich. So they don't have to worry about finding themselves a legit number one center right now. I feel like someone will grow into that. But they have this other guy, Patrick Liney, now that they have to worry about because they only have, um, you know, again, two point three million dollars in cap space. And yes, you could, you know, potentially throw, you know, Boone Jenner's contract on IR. I don't know, you know, what's going on with their injury uh, situation there, but they've got to move somebody now uh, to make some cap space. And so maybe a guy like, you know, Nyquist might be a cap casualty who's produced pretty dang good for his, his contract. Um, but someone's going to have to go. I'm not sure who it's going to be at this point. It could be Bjorkstrand teams are, you know, still high on him. Um, you know, he could get moved out, even though I know he, you know, Columbus likes him, but um, we'll see what happens because they need to make some room to to keep Patrick Line or maybe they just say, hey, you know what? We've got Johnny Hockey and Jake Borchek, so we're good. We don't need to uh, we don't need to move or we don't need to keep Line, so we'll trade him and get some some oh, nice. I uh, think they want know. Line. I think. Oh, they, I think they do too. Goudreau I think they'd and love to have them. Yeah, have I got to imagine that, that you're trying to trade Nyquist as quick as you can. Yeah, I think he's uh, obviously they would probably prefer to move Borchek, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Nobody wants to take on that contract. So, um, you know, I think Nyquist is obviously the more likely candidate to get moved. And he's still like, you know, he's still producing 50 points, which is fantastic. Uh, he could still skate fast and I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. That should be interesting. All right. Uh, let's let's uh, who, where, where do we want to go next? You know, I want to talk uh, Callie Yarncroke signing with the Leafs because I think that it was okay. one of the, like, as we talk of the later signings coming through, uh, that one surprised me. I did not, you know, didn't hear anything about Yarncroke to the Leafs. Really didn't hear much about Yarncroke, period. Uh, 2.1 million over four years. It's kind of a long, a long deal for a, a 31 year old or a 30 year old grinder, but, uh, in the immediate, what do you think of this move? I actually like the deal, to be quite honest, um, because he's shown in the past, uh, especially you know during his time in you know Seattle and and with Nashville especially, he has the the flexibility because he can skate, he can still move up and down the lineup. Now again, he doesn't produce offensively 
like most you know guys that can move up and down the lineup typically would. But you know, if you have an injury for a couple weeks, he can certainly fill in adequately enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he plays a very very good two way game. Um, he can play on the wing and play at center, so he plays all three forward positions, which is fantastic. So really, there's a lot of versatility there. And if you want to put him on your, you know, I imagine he's you know paid to be playing on that third line right now. He plays great defensive hockey. Can still chip in every once in a while, although he you know managed not to really put any goals in during the regular season for Calgary. But um, you know, again, if you put him out there for 13, 14 minutes a night, I think you're going to get you know your two million bucks worth. And I think it'll it'll work out nice for Toronto because I again I I really like this player. I think he's a, he's a quality bottom six player who can still skate and so to me that's you know worth it because he can play everywhere i i think his his minutes deteriorated in calgary i, I just don't think he he really found a place like he's just playing less than 14 minutes a game and i, I don't think it was his his style of play um, no sometimes you just don't fit right i mean right, that's just right. the way it is and yeah i you know, I look up and down the Leafs lineup, and you think, all right, what's the one thing the Leafs needed to do? Yes, they needed to get goaltend, get a goaltender. Uh, they got a couple. We don't have to talk about uh, what we think they'll actually do. We already <laughs> did that on the last show. You can go back and listen to that. Uh, but they have their goalies, right? They're they're set in terms of their goaltending at this point in time. Uh, they they still have to re-sign Rasmus Sandin, uh, and that may cause some some ripple effect throughout the defensive pairings. We'll see who actually gets moved. It looks like someone will get moved. Uh, but the, but what the Leafs really needed to do was create a bottom six that could contribute. Right. That was definitely their biggest problem throughout the regular season and in the playoffs. I mean, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they carried this team, uh, you you hope that Tavares can come back, and I I know that Tavares still he he was still putting up big points. He's still a point per game guy, seventy six points in in seventy nine games. He had some stretches where he wasn't great. He was fine in the playoffs. You you're really you're not looking at that top six and saying there's any issues. Like we we can any small problem is you know it is what it is. Yes, he's not an eleven million dollar player, but he's still a number two center in this league and a very, a damn good number two center um, could be a number one center on a lot of teams in the NHL. But the bottom six was old, slow, couldn't produce offense. Uh, and now suddenly you've got Callie Yarncroke. You've got Nicholas Abu Cabell. You bring in Adam Gaudet. Like there are some decent pieces that have now kind of filtered into uh what will be a pretty decent bottom six now that you don't have to rely on Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, uh, Jason <laughs> Spezza, guys who are just, uh, they're, they're not really NHLers anymore. No, um, and the thing I, I really like about the Yarncroft signing is you slap him on that third line with David Kampf, you know, and Engvall. It's, it's Engvall, Kampf, and Yarncroft. What a, I mean. And it's a shutdown line. Yes. It's a really good shutdown line, right? So you can let. Tavares, you can let Matthews go out there and go ham offensively, and then when you're playing other guys' top lines, you can throw these three guys out, and I'm not worried about it, right? I think these guys can hold their own, and David Kemp has proven you know, he can still contribute offensively, and so Yarncroft as well, and and you know what? Hey, even if you, you know, maybe those three guys aren't really gelling that well, you can move Kerfoot down, put Yarncroft up on that second line, and get somebody who's a little bit of sandpaper to John Tavares and Nylander skill. Yep, yep. And you know, Yaron Croak can he's he's been on penalty kills. He was on, on Calgary's penalty kill. Uh he can maybe not to the extent like Ilya Mikheyev, five million dollar player. Uh 
that the Leafs were getting for much less. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. You, you were going to lose them. Nothing you can do. Uh, Callie Arncroke is not Ilya Mikheyev, especially in terms of, of goal scoring and maybe that shorthanded threat uh, to score a goal. But he's still an effective player. He, you know, he had, he had 12 goals in 49 games for the, the Seattle Kraken. He, he can put the puck into the net. Uh, and I think, I think he's a really nice replacement. I think that, uh, they get pairing ball signed for a decent deal there, especially given his prowess on the penalty kill. Uh, I think their bottom six is much improved, much improved. And I, I'm wondering here, you know, well, who's going to get moved on the defensive side? Uh, that's really the next big question mark. Is it Justin Hall? Is Jake Muzzin going to ultimately get moved? Uh, or is it Rasmus Sandin that gets moved, which would be a real shame because he's got so much potential and is the youngest person on this blue line. And it would be nice to see, you know, the last four years of development that the Leafs have put into him, that it becomes something significant in the future. So I'm, I for one am not on the trade Rasmus Sandin train. No, no, me neither. I think if anybody gets moved, if, if I had my, you know, pick of the litter i guess i would probably trade jake muzzin if it was me yeah i mean Um, yeah i agree i agree i think he gets you the most value for what you're getting rid of and you're able to replace him with so yep you can you can replace him on the left side now granted you aren't replacing you it's yes you are going to have someone different there who can play the left side the issue is you don't replace jake muzzin because you don't have anyone else like him and that right. that's the heart like yeah you signed Jordy Ben who is a very very light version of Jake Muzzin like yes he's a big guy yes he can throw around his body but he's he's not Jake Muzzin uh Jake Muzzin if he's if he's healthy he's really good when he's not healthy that's the issue he's taking up so much cap space and for a guy who's not healthy but uh I no, personally, what I if, if I'm Toronto, I go out and I just you know again if you want to move Jake Muzzin, move him now, um, and just go ahead and you know again this team gets a little bit thinner on the blue line as far as the physicality goes. But hey, you know what? You don't need that in the regular season, right? They can go out at the deadline and acquire that physical presence on the blue line if they need to. Yeah, uh, just go trade. Just season. trade Jake Muzzin and get someone to you know, and then just trade back for him. <laughs> in the right. off season and then just just get them to take half the deal can you do that you are go. you allowed to do that i don't know actually that's a very good question after you I trade a player something. how long can you wait yeah we'll have to find that out yeah, um, come on cat friendly all right anything uh any other deals that you want to hit on here i guess the only other one if i had to just pick one for pick's sake is just dylan strom going to the capitals for 3.5 i think that's just a a quality signing given that Backstrom's going to be out for most of the year. I think this is a guy who who thrived in Chicago playing alongside talented wingers, and I think going to Washington, he's going to have that opportunity with guys like uh, Manta and TJ Oshie. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him to still produce and then sign another big deal after the season. So yeah, I thought it was and he's an RFA, move. so they they have him. Like that's that's a beautiful thing. They just, I mean, yes, he's arbitration eligible, but uh, I you know I wonder after this year. When you're looking at uh, at Nicholas Backstrom, sometimes you wonder, you know, when a when a 34 year old misses an entire season and has has some pretty intense surgery, there has to be question marks about whether or not he's played right. his last it, it game ended in the NHL. Ryan right. Kessler's career, right? So exactly, and and so yeah. you you maybe wonder, 
Yeah, maybe Dylan Strom is the answer long term, or, or at least in the relative short term next next couple years here. Um, it was a number three pick, so I mean, the, right? The the skill level's there. Yep, yep. Very. I mean, very rarely do you have a guy who bounces around, being highly touted, bounces around, and then all of a sudden becomes a superstar. I don't think he's in the superstar range. I think we've we've kind of seen what Dylan Strom is, and that's a a pretty good second line center. And and he can you're right. He can play with some more talented guys and and he's he's shown that. I mean I think in Chicago he maybe had a little bit more free reign cuz they weren't quite as good. Uh, we'll see what he can do on a team that is good, right? Like maybe that's actually what he needs is being on a team that is playoff bound or you know, uh, I think we look at Washington and we say, well, they're a team that definitely has expectations at least of making the playoffs, whether they make the playoffs or not. That's another story, but, uh, but they're, they're definitely trying to make the playoffs. They're not trying to lose. <laughs> we'll say right. that where <laughs> Chicago and Arizona, they, they weren't winning anything. Yep. So that's, that's it for me. But unless you have anybody else you want to talk about, uh, you know, I, I guess I, when I look over the landscape of what has happened here in, in free agency. I mean, there's just so many, there's, there's been so many deals and so many, so many players and actually a good amount of trades as well. Uh, I'll say that I'm, I always look forward to seeing some of these players in new uniforms. Uh, it's, it's always fun, you know, just to have a little bit of movement and to, to think about how guys uh, fit into their new structure. But when I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, yes, they've made some moves on defense. You know, they, they trade uh, Matheson for Petrie, and they sign Yan Ruta. They trade for Ty Smith and uh, deal John Marino to the, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they also got uh, Ryan Poling in that deal with Montreal. Uh, I don't feel as though Pittsburgh has made any they they didn't make a drastic change I'll say but I really like the moves they made and I love that they went out of their way to bring everyone back and they're going to just tr- they're going to try this again and I assume you know hey draft picks will be uh maybe not that first round draft pick but they'll probably use uh some picks in their arsenal to bring guys in uh later in the year they they have a little bit of cap space left now and uh, only Kasperi Kapanen to sign. He did. Uh, he is going to arbitration, so we'll see what he ends up getting in arbitration. But I, I really like the moves. I also love Ty Smith going to Pittsburgh, who's going to really get an opportunity to uh, to show us that that rookie season wasn't a fluke. Right. That's that's the question mark, right? Because I think he could, you know, potentially be a good offensive defenseman for them down the road. And, uh, you know, might not cost him that much either, too, right? So it could be a, a complimentary piece to, to Chris Letang maybe on a, a second pairing or, or be well, a I think power play specialist. I, I think he's going, you, you would like him to line up with Jeff Petrie. You know, Jeff yeah, Petrie would be, be the perfect, guy who's, right? who's more the stay-at-home defenseman. And then Ty Smith has this defensive partner who can, uh, who can kind of make up for some of his mistakes. I think that would be your ideal world. Uh, but the Penguins do have a lot of options. I mean, you got to love Yan Ruta. He played so well for Tampa Bay. Uh, kind of this like unsung guy. He's you know he's 31, but sort of just coming into his own over the last couple of years. And I I, I really like the move. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the fact that they had to 
eat the whole entire salary for Jeff Petrie for all three years. But, um, you know, I mean, hey, if you're if you're looking at this as like, hey, you know what, we're going for it. For Pittsburgh, you know, we don't have but a couple of years left. Really, the window's closing. Uh, I like the moves because, you know, again, Ty Smith is a good long-term option for this team if they envision him to, to turn out the way, he, you know, he was project, you know, projected in his rookie season. And then, you know, Jeff Petrie, obviously, if I had my choice between Matheson and, and Petrie, I'm going to take Petrie all day. Uh, at, at his, so. if he's still good, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the thing, right? Is, is he still that? But there was also, I can't remember where I saw it, but uh, there was an article they were talking to Jeff Petrie and that, that you know, possibly getting traded always on the block really affected him mentally in, in Montreal. And, you know, and of course, you know, other things when your team's so bad weighs on you a lot. Yeah. So, you know, he had some mental stuff he was battling. And so I think now he goes to, you know, a fresh place, fresh building with a championship caliber team. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be excited for, right? I get to play with Latang, with Crosby, with Malkin. Um, so, think, yeah, maybe he, you know, re, re, he finds that old form. I think a lot of weight has been lifted from players who are leaving Canadian teams and going to an American team. I, I really, especially guys that uh, that are probably like a, like a Johnny Goudreau and, and Jeff Petrie, he's American. Like you think about some of these guys that are American who maybe are like, dude, why are like locked down up here? Like it's been much more strict throughout the whole process and I've got to think that that's that's had to weigh on them. And so now being in the U.S., I I wonder if that has a massive impact on on the way that they play on the ice. And, oh sure. And, also from a media standpoint, right? I mean, when you look at you know the Canadian markets, the way the media is up there versus a lot of these too. U.S. cities. Yep, that it's too. crazy. Yeah, that too. I mean, you you look at you know you look at uh, like. Edmonton, they weren't. I mean, yes, they signed. Uh, funny enough, I mean, I guess you've got Jack Campbell, who's who is American, and he's uh, he's signing, going from Toronto to to Edmonton. But in reality, I think that was the team that was going to give him the biggest contract. Like he chased the money, and and that's fine. Uh, I would too. <laughs> I chased yeah, I mean, the money for a guy like that, right? This is his only only contract right. really he's ever going to get. So. Right, right, exactly. So you got to you got to do what you got to do. Uh, you look at it, and I mean, I've I've heard from several different places that uh, Canadian teams are having a harder time right now luring in free agents, and I think that that's absolutely true. Uh, yes, you're always going to be able to pull in the guys who are, uh, I'll say, your middle class of the league. Like the middle class players, they just want to get paid. To some respect, they want to get paid because, like you said, it's sometimes their only chance to get paid. So they're going to go where they can maybe get some money, whether that's Canadian or American team. But uh, some of the big name players, they're going to go where they have a little bit more freedom to live and to travel and to to be with their family. And uh, maybe that's not as big of a deal for a European player who uh, it may you know they they may not have the same desire to go travel during the season anyways like it's not like during the season you're just flying back to russia or flying back to sweden for a weekend like that's not really happening but uh i think when you're talking north american players i would imagine that it would make a difference but yeah yeah for sure well uh i think that's i think that's it on the the free agent uh portion of the ufas uh you want to talk just a, a little bit about some of the rfas that are out there right now Oh yeah, let's. Uh, we have not talked about Matthew Kachuk yet. 
who is probably the largest elephant in the room. Uh, but they've got Kachuk and Mangiopan, both uh, both RFAs. Uh, Mangiopan went and uh, did did arbitration, or he's going to. Kachuk did not. So I'm I'm wondering potential holdout on Kachuk's part. Like, is he mulling over whether he's even going to stay this year? Like, or are the Flames mulling over whether or not they they can win without Goudreau now? Well, listen, I think, so there's two guys that didn't elect, big name R- R- RFAs that did not elect arbitration. Uh, that's Matthew Kachuk and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Line it, Line didn't either. Line did, okay, sorry. Yeah, but, so uh, what Apology I think more accepted. or less. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think, honestly, in Kachuk's case more than, uh, you know, PLD's case, and, uh, you know, Dubois come out and said he wants to play for the Habs, so um, that's right. something to think about, right? So, he kind of put it out on the table, but I think for a guy like Kachuk, with no Goudreau there, right, he's got to be mauling over his future, and because he doesn't go to arbitration, he can sign a one-year deal now and then bolt for free agency next year, become become a UFA automatically. But the other big piece of that is now teams, I think it's I think it's at midnight tonight or maybe eight o'clock, I can't remember. Uh, they can start. Other teams can start submitting offer sheets to these guys now automatically, um, and then potentially, you know give up any compensation right if, the if they had done arbitration it, it locks those other teams out right yeah absolutely that's that's the big so, thing because no matter what they become a ufa after this year anyways whether like, right so you know what i think Kachuk's, you know maybe playing it as in you know what i'm going to sign a one-year deal and then weigh my options next year see where this team goes as far as talent wise you know if we if we drop significantly then you know i'm out of here if we kind of hang around and there's a plan in place then yeah maybe i might hang around sign long term but right, you bring in nazem kadri maybe that's a okay we're still trying to win here you know you do what you can maybe you maybe you're able to go and I, you know there there are some other decent players out there on on the free agent market when you're talking like phil kessel's still out there nino niederreiter still uh still waiting around i mean john klingberg who uh, i wonder if he actually signs in detroit but He's still hanging around. Um, I don't know that Calgary's really in the market for a defenseman, but there are other players, right, that are that are no. out there that are good. And so you wonder, yeah, that's a good thought. Is that is he just sitting around waiting to see if they'll do something else before he's willing to sign? Because maybe right, because maybe he's going. I'll sign an eight year deal if you guys go out and make a big splash right now. Yeah, and the other thing is too, right. Um, you know, again, whether it's through signing a, you know, one of the remaining free agents or whether it's, you know, maybe making a deal through a trade somehow, um, a guy like, you know, uh, Kachuk might say, you know what, I want to see how much money is left for me. Because if for some reason, you know, they go out and they sign Nazem Kadri, overpay for him and say, give him eight and a half, nine million bucks at seven years. Um, you know, that doesn't leave as much money on the table for a guy like Kachuk down the road. Or maybe he says, you know what, I want to see who you guys are planning on signing so that I can take less money. So maybe next year we can go out and get like a Ryan O'Reilly or somebody else. Right. So, um, you know, again, there's, there's two sides to the puzzle on this, this equation here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, um, you know, how this all plays out with Kachuk, because again, he's, he's the prize, right? I think if you look at all the RFAs out there right now, if, if you're, if you're going to make an offer sheet to anybody and lose, um, uh, you know, a bunch of first rounders, you know, is he the guy maybe you go after? I mean, personally, I, I don't think there's value in giving up four first round picks if you're going to pay him over ten points up to a million bucks. But uh, you know, I guess it depends if your team's in win now mode, right? So yeah, I mean they you 
you don't win and lose with one player. Yes, very important player, Johnny Goudreau, but it's not as if you didn't slot someone else up there that they still wouldn't be really good still, you know? It's not as if their whole team needs to fall apart. That is the one thing about the the whole conversation about losing Goudreau. The, the Flames are a really good team. They have a fantastic decor. They can still score a goal. Like, Mangio Pan played less than 17 minutes a game, and he had 35 goals. Unbelievable. 25th highest scoring player in the in the league, and he's the only one in the top, like, 40 or 50 or something like that that mm-hmm. played less than 17 minutes a game. So, I, I mean, it's not as if you don't have other players that you can that you have to move up in the lineup. You have them. Yes, they're not Johnny Goudreau, but you still have players. You could still win. You're still in a weak Pacific division. So, I I think you ha- you still have to look at this and go, we, we still have a shot. Especially, like, after this year, Lucic is the UFA. That that get, loops up a lot of money there too, and you can go right back to to trying to haul in a another big name player via free agency. You know, just because you lost out on Goudreau doesn't mean that you're going to lose out on the next guy, and you don't want to lose your superstar player in Matthew Kachuk. You just tell him, dude, you're our guy. I mean, Goudreau, we love him, but you're our guy, and we'll go and we'll we'll do what we need to do in the following off season. We'll. Toss a bunch of money at David Pasternak. We'll try to go out and get Ryan O'Reilly. Like there's, there are going to be some good UFAs out there that they could bring in and replace that that contract. You know, hey, Jonathan Huberdeau's a free agent. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know. That's so far down the road. It's it's hard to right. to, to make uh, big judgments. But like, hey, JT Miller is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, how good would he look in a Calgary uniform? Like he would play, he would fit great with the Daryl Sittler, uh, Daryl Sutter, not Daryl Sittler, <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Sutter scheme. Like there are players out there. Calgary is going to, it doesn't need to tear this whole thing down. I think that's the most like media stupidity kind of conversation where you're like, you're just trying to get people to be mad. Like, right. they don't need to tear the whole thing down. I mean, it's like, let, let's take another team. Let's go Toronto. Let's say Matthews leaves. Are they going to tear the whole thing down and say, oh, yes, we have to completely rebuild now? No. They would go, we still have Marner. We still have Nylander. We, like, we can still, and we still have a lot of money, and we're still Toronto. You know, we'll we'll figure something out. I mean, yes. Yeah, and the nice. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, the nice thing for Calgary, right, is so next year you have, I mean, at the end of the season, you got Sean Monahan six point three coming off the books, so you can still go out and acquire another big piece, right? Right. I mean, exactly. And you've got Jacob Markstrom, who, who to me is a top five goalie in this league right now. You've got him signed for a reasonable cap it for the next few years. So if you're Matthew Gachuk, you can look at this and say, you know, again, we've got a great system, a great defense, we've got a great goaltender for the next few years. Our window is not shut, even right. without Johnny Gaudreau. Right? We can go in and plug him because I think. I think Daryl Sutter's system is so good, uh, you know, the way he relies upon guys playing good at both ends of the ice. You don't need to be, you know, just a destroyer of goals, right? You don't need to put up 50 goals, you know, on your top line, each player to have a successful team, right? So you can bring in a guy who, who could put up 25, 30 goals. You know, again, like you talked about a Nino Niederreiter, right? You could bring in that kind of guy. You could bring in a, 
you know, gosh, uh, would be a good fit there. I think but. you could go, yeah, you could go out and get Yessi Puliarvi, right. And maybe have him get a resurgence, you know, playing in a, in a different system. I don't know if this, you know, to me, I don't know if this system would exactly work, but um, you know, again, you go out and you, you try to find other guys to fill in. And I think, you know, with the system they have, they can do that fairly reasonably without having to really drop as far as, you know, standings and cup contending ability is concerned. It just depends on if, uh, if Matthew Kachuk wants to go and sign with the St. Louis Blues, which that's where he's from, that's, you know, his dad, he's got that huge connection um, with uh, with Keith Kachuk and I, like, and and St. Louis is about to, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, they're going to be UFAs at the end of next year. Like, I, there's, there's definitely got to be some, look, some people looking over there going, he, he could come here. We're just going to, we're, we're going to see if he can come here. <laughs> and what about that, too? Tarasenko, right? You want a goal scorer who can come in and fill in real quick for Johnny Goudreau? There's a guy right there who can still skate, can still score. You bring him in for four or five years, I, I have no problems giving him eight, eight and a half, nine million bucks. All right. Wow. Nine million bucks for Tarasenko, eh? Even though no one, I don't know. I mean, no I, one would, I, no one would trade for him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he had, <laughs> he had 34 goals, 82 points last year. He played fantastic and he played great in the playoffs. Yeah, and you put him with a guy like Kachuk, I think he would thrive. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll we'll leave it at that for today. But, I mean, things are going to be happening all throughout the summer. I think I think it's time that we, uh, we'll, start, we'll start going through some lists. We, we, we haven't done a good list in a little while. Oh, and, now uh, I, how I have missed. Our top tens, you know, that's... That's our thing. So we'll we'll figure out some some good lists. If you have uh, you know as a as a listener, you're thinking of uh, some some cool list out there, whether it be current or former players or teams. Uh, shoot, hit us up on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and uh, toss us your ideas. We've used many listener ideas before for our list, so we'd love to get your ideas. And uh, we'll Justin and I will we'll, we'll come up with some good stuff this summer. We won't we won't keep you hanging. Uh, for the summer, you know, like all these other people that just leave, you know, they, all these other people that, that need vacations cause it's their actual job. This, this is like our vacation <laughs> when we, it when really we get is. to talk hockey. So, uh, you're along for the ride all summer and, and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing our list. So, uh, make sure to, to come back, hit subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. 